This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. How has the pandemic affected states and localities this election year? What are departments of elections doing to ensure safe, secure, but accessible voting? And how are they collaborating with federal government organizations and with partners at the state and federal level? How will all the pending litigation affect when we know the results of the election? And what should the public expect regarding the timing of when we know election results? Welcome to Democracy Matters. I'm Kara Ong-Whaley, Associate Director at the James Madison Center for Civic Engagement at James Madison University. In this episode, students in our Elections 2020 class interview Chris Piper, Commissioner of the Virginia Department of Elections, to delve into these questions and much more. Enjoy the episode. I'm Emily Baker. I'm a senior majoring in political science in English. Um, how has the pandemic affected the Department of Elections and processing ballots? Um, and what is the Department of Elections doing to ensure safe, secure, but accessible voting? Um, and like, how have your efforts since the pandemic started correlated with, the, with what you've done prior to ensure safety and how has that changed? I will tell you that as soon as the pandemic happened, so we, we, we had, um, we were a Super Tuesday state. So we had our uh, presidential primary on March 3rd. Um, and then uh, I'll never forget, it was March 16th, which happens to be my mom's birthday, uh, is the day I left the office and didn't come back for several months. Um, and so uh, we actually in Virginia had two elections after that. We had a, a May municipal election, so a bunch of cities and towns had elections in May, and then we had our June congressional primary, um, and so we had uh, another set of elections. Both of those got postponed by two weeks as we we're trying to let the pandemic, uh, you know, get a little bit better. Um, so there's a couple of things that I can address right right away. So Virginia, um, prior to 2020, uh, was a very old-fashioned state. So, in the sense of voting. So in 2016, for example, 12% uh, of the turnout uh, was early voting, uh, either by mail or in person, and that means that 88%. Uh, of our electorate in 2016 showed up at the polls to vote between 6 a.m. and 7 p.m. on election day. Um, clearly, that wasn't going to work. <laughs> when you have a pandemic where you have to stay six feet apart, you have to wear masks, um, you know, and, and certain, uh, certain parts of the population can't even leave the house or would be risking uh, their health for the right to, to vote. So we immediately had to pivot. Now there's a couple of things that are already happening. Uh, Virginia's General Assembly had already passed no excuse absentee voting. Uh, so we were already preparing uh, for a lot more early voting in Virginia, simply because you didn't need an excuse anymore. Um, and that's been probably the biggest uh, help for us in that sense. But we also realized that even with the early voting, because of the pandemic, we were going to see uh, a huge shift to mail-in ballots. Um, and simply because people can't, you know, can't leave the house or can't expose themselves outside of the house. Um, and so we had to prepare for that. While we were pretty good at it, the fact of the matter is, is that when you only have 6% of the popular, you know, the turnout in 2016 casting an absentee ballot by mail, uh, that means that we have essentially 94% of our electorate who, who doesn't, has never done an absentee ballot or very rarely has. 
Um, and the process is a little, a lot different than just going in and checking in and, and, and putting it through a machine. So we had to do a lot of education. Uh, we had to do a lot of uh, fine tuning of our processes just to make sure it was easier. Um, and so I think that those are the, the biggest things that we've had to do, uh, the biggest changes that we've made uh, in preparing for this election. Um, and I think that so far, uh, the voters have really um, taken a shine to it. For example, um, we've already more than tripled the number of uh, votes, almost quadrupled now, because we're up near 2 million votes uh, already cast for 28, uh, 2020. Uh, and we only had 566,000 early votes in 2016. Uh, we've had uh, almost 1.2 million show up to vote in person already. Um, and it's only October 26th. Um, and then with the mail ballots, uh, we had just over 1.1 million requests for mail ballots and already 700, almost 760,000 have come in. So, uh, and, and to this point, we've had a, a lot of, uh, uh, not a lot of problems. I mean, we've had some minor problems, obviously, but nothing nefarious and no big issues. Um, some other things that we had to do, the General Assembly came back in and did special sessions. So this year, we don't require a witness signature on the absentee ballots because people uh, would need that. We don't ever do signature matching here in Virginia. You probably heard a lot about that. Uh, one of the other things that I think was the huge, biggest thing that we've done that really Im improved the process, people make mistakes when they do absentee ballots by mail. And so uh, the General Assembly required the general registrars to do a cure process. So if somebody makes a mistake, they have to contact the voter and give them an opportunity to fix it uh, so that their ballot can count. Uh, the other thing we've done is there's a, uh, you can uh, receive the ballots after election day. So as long as it's postmarked by election day, it can come in through Friday at noon. Um, so those are some big changes that have come about that I think um, we, uh, we've done, and there was a third last question that I, I want to make sure I addressed and for some reason it's blocked out of my brain, so. Yeah, it was just to compare how it's been um, changed since 2016, not 2016, but like 2016 to 2019 to 2020. Yeah, okay, yeah, so I think I did address that, but uh, I think that one thing that we found is that in Virginia, um, uh, We've tried out some new things and they're really working and the voters are loving it and even the general registrars are loving it. So uh, I'll never forget in 2018 at the end of the night um, of the midterm uh, election, thinking just how silly it was that we vote in this 13 hour block and that was it. Like that doesn't make any sense. And uh, so Virginia in two years has overnight, it seems like, just changed. And we've done it with, uh, with a lot of success. So I think a lot of these changes are, are here to stay. Good morning, Mr. Piper. My name's Haley and I'm a senior history major. My question is, uh, how have things changed from 2016 to 2020 um, without um, thinking about COVID, especially in terms of um, election security? Yeah, great question. Um, <laughs> when I was waking up on January 1st, I was in a pool of sweat just thinking about election security, and now I don't talk about it anymore. <laughs> um, you know, and it's, it's kind of funny because it hasn't gone away. I mean, we, you know, we're still, in fact, last week, the FBI and DHS announced um, uh, some issues that we found with Iran and with Russia. Um, so yeah, I think that the biggest thing, and, and just so you know, let's cut through the crap, right? Uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee report 
said what we already knew here in the election community, which is all, all states were targeted uh, by Russia, no doubt about it. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And Virginia was one, obviously. Um, and basically what they did, and, and you'll hear this uh, from every election administrator, they basically were like uh, thieves. They came up to the door, they jiggled the handle, they tapped on the window to see if they could get in. And if they couldn't, they just went the other direction. In Illinois and in a couple of localities, they actually did find their way in. They didn't manipulate the data, they just stole the data. Um, and there's no way, uh, the way we're already set up, there was no way for them to actually change the votes. Um, and so what they, uh, but it was all still very concerning and, and scary. I think the biggest change that we've made is communications. Um, in 2000, uh, I guess I worked a presidential election in 2012 and it was the first time that we had all like met with other state partners like the Virginia Department of Emergency Management and Virginia Department of Transportation. And these were important meetings because you know we don't want road projects in front of polling places on election day. Um, but now in 2020, uh, at least once a week, I am meeting with the Department of Homeland Security, uh, the FBI, uh, the Virginia State Police, the Virginia Fusion Center, uh, the Department of Emergency Management, the Capitol Police, all of these different groups, um, in addition to, you know, the Department of Transportation. Um, and the reason is uh, we need to be communicating uh, on a regular, everyday uh, basis. And on Election Day, uh, you know, we're always in a room together. Uh, not this year. It'll be a little bit different this year. But we have like a chat room and we're sharing information. And that communication is really what's key. I think that's the biggest difference. Of course, we shored up our systems. We've, you know, done a lot of security uh, upgrades, um, and you know, we were already in a good, strong security posture, but we needed to get stronger, uh, and we needed to stay one step ahead of the, the bad guys. But I think it's the communication uh, that has really, really improved. Um, and I'll say not just with the law enforcement and our federal, state, and local partners, but um, my colleagues around the state. In fact, the reason I'm here is because uh, Professor Copeland. Uh, met my colleague in Colorado, and and that's uh, how we hooked up to to get to this um, to this meeting, or this class. But um, I meet with them once a week, and had been since the pandemic uh, broke out. And it was really critical because Colorado, for example, is a universal mail-in state. For years, they have been mailing ballots to every single voter. Um, and so when this pandemic broke out, there was a lot of talk about we should all be just mailing ballots to everybody. And what we learned is that it's not that easy, right? You can't just overnight start mailing ballots to everybody and expect it to be a perfect process like what they've done in Colorado and Oregon and Washington. Those were uh, systems that they set up for years um, to get to this point. So anyway, uh, that communication, having that dialogue back and forth is, is the biggest change from 2016 uh, when it comes to especially elections. Um, I, my name is Maeve Davis. I'm a junior public policy and administration major. And my question for you concerns um, processing ballots and the results of the election. So obviously there's a lot of anxiety surrounding when it's will be processed, when we'll actually know the results of the election. So can you just touch, I think you did, but touch a little bit about the role of local and state elections um, and what role they play individually in processing ballots and um, 
figuring out the results of the election? Yeah, sure, uh, and good question. So um, there are two models of uh, how elections work in, in the United States. Um, one is a bottom-up. Uh, a bottom-up system means that each locality, uh, county, city, whatever, uh, has their own voter registration database and they maintain their, their voter records and then they send that up to the state, right? So that's a bottom-up. Ohio is that way. Uh, Texas is that way, uh, or you could be like Virginia and the majority of states, which is top down. And so what we do, and actually we claim this prize, Virginia was the very first state to have a state central voter registration database. Um, and so we created that actually in 1972. So we were way ahead of the game. But what we have is a, a voter registration database that all of our localities um, uh, tap into. And so uh, we maintain that, we, uh, we keep it up and running, and then they're responsible for entering in voter information and, and et cetera. But I, I touched on a little bit, each locality has a appointed general registrar. Um, so Harrisonburg has a general registrar, and then Rockingham County has a general registrar. Um, and they're responsible for the day-to-day -day administration of the election um, and the voter registration rules. Um, so. What does that mean? In Virginia, uh, the registrar, along with their electoral board, which is a little bit more of a political body, uh, they set up the polling places um, and they manage all the ballots that are coming in uh, for absentee mail um, and then the satellite voting locations where votes happen. Okay, so <laughs> I think your real question here at the end of the day is, how are results gonna be reported in uh, on election day and the anxiety surrounding that. So um, I'll tell you what we're doing in Virginia. Um, so think about it this way, all of these um, uh, in-person voting that's going on early right now and all of the absentee ballots by mail are sent into what's called a central absentee precinct uh, or a CAT. Um, and what that means is it's one precinct where all those ballots are coming in. So. Before in Virginia, the majority of our votes were done in person on election day. So at the end of the day, the polls closed, the majority of the votes would be called in from the polling place to the general registrar's office. And then the general registrar would enter those in. So you'd see like precinct by precinct breakdowns of each uh, of, of the results. Um, and then when they got done with that, they would finalize their central absentee precinct or their cap, and they would enter it in, all the results were done, right? Um, but this is different this year because it looks like the ma majority of our votes are gonna be in that central absentee precinct. So on election night, what you'll see in Virginia is you'll see the results coming in like you typically did before, right? Like precinct by precinct. But when they're done entering those in, um, that is only maybe less than half of the total votes that will be counted. So what we've done is we've explained to the general registrars uh, that they need to continue processing mailed ballots uh, until 11 o'clock at night. And then at 11 o'clock, they have to shut down their machines and they have to enter in the totals for the entire cap, okay? So we'll get a big data dump after 11 o'clock here in Virginia. Uh, so lo some localities that aren't going to have as many mail-in ballots may be done before 11 o'clock and they'll be able to, to provide that information. But the point is, is that 
all of these ballots that are coming in and being cast on these uh, voting machines at the in-person voting locations, um, you can't shut those down. And when you shut those down, that's it. They're not, you can't use them again. Um, and so that's when we get the tabulation. So that's why we're telling them you got to continue to enter data in or enter those ballots in by till 11 p.m. Um, and then if you remember, I said ballots can continue coming into the locality until Friday at noon. Um, so what's going to happen is we're going to basically shut it down at 11 o'clock and then you won't see the remaining ballots uh, counted and tabulated and put up until after Friday at noon. Um, and, and so that's uh, an important thing. So numbers will change. A couple of things for you to remember here. Um, we have never really known the outcome of an election on election night, never in history, because those numbers always change. They always change. Now, if it's a wide margin, then you can predict the winner because you have enough information to say, okay, this voter or this candidate, they can't overcome any human mistakes. Um, so uh, we've never really known, and that's going to continue. It's probably going to be it's going to be a lot different this year because, unlike in Virginia, um, some states, for example, the most critical right now, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, are prohibited by law from processing their absentee ballots until election day. Okay, so. Just to point out what happens when you're processing a, an absentee ballot by mail, there's information on the, on the um, uh, first you have to check that the voter hasn't already voted. Then you have to check the information that they filled out correctly. And then in some states, uh, they have to sign it and then they have to match their signature to previous signatures or the signature on record. All of that takes time. Uh, you have to do all of this in front of election officials and then you have to open the ballot and then you have to actually put it through the machine. Um, each one of those can take, I mean, five to six minutes uh, to process through. So when you think about Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania, if they can't touch those ballots until election day, you're talking about days or weeks before you're gonna have an understanding of who the winner is in those states. Uh, and that's the, the real kind of issue. So in Virginia, we can process it upon receipt. Um, there's rules that we have to follow, but for the most part, we're already at like 70% of ballots that have been, um, that have been, uh, I mean, cast. Uh, and so we're, we're ahead of the game and we probably will be done pretty early and have a good number of results. Um, but in other states, it's gonna be a lot more difficult. The scary thing is, We've heard certain individuals uh, complain that if you don't finish by election night, there's something nefarious going on. That's not true. Uh, that's not the way it goes. It's always happened this way. Uh, it's just that we have more mail-in ballots. Um, thirdly, or secondly, um, you know, if the election is tight, um, you know, it's going to be days, weeks before we know who the winner is, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> We like to say in elections, you can have it fast or you can have it accurate. Which one do you want? Um, and so we want to have it accurate. Um, hi, I'm Maddie Ward. I'm a junior. I'm an economics and public policy major. Um, how does the Department of Elections work with the governor and General Assembly on legislation regarding voting and voting rights? Um, how did you work with the General Assembly on voter identification laws? Um, what legislation do you think might come up post-session? And do you anticipate that the changes to voting accessibility will remain post-pandemic? 
Yeah. Um, so uh, in Virginia, I'm the chief election official for the federal government. So I'm the main contact. I'm appointed by the governor uh, and I serve at will. Um, I have a, an advisory state board. Basically, uh, they're responsible for approving forms and policies and regulations. Um, and they're, uh, they're appointed, uh, and once they're appointed, they're there forever, um, but they're very, very part-time. They show up once a month <laughs> and whatnot. But uh, so, uh, so I work very closely with the governor's office when it comes to legislation, uh, when it comes to policies and procedures. Um, and uh, I will say for this governor, um, he is very much wants me to act in a nonpartisan role. Of course, there are policies, election-related policies that, that we advocate for, but when it comes to the actual administration of the office, uh, it's, it's done in a nonpartisan way. That said, uh, we work very closely with the General Assembly because they have all, um, there's 140 members of the General Assembly. Uh, they've all won an election, so that makes them election administration experts, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the unfortunate thing is that they're not, but they think they are. Um, so we work very closely with them on legislation that comes out. Our main goal isn't necessarily uh, to advocate the passage or defeat of a particular law. It's uh, how we can make sure that it's crafted in such a way that it's implementable, as it were. Um, you know, the General Assembly is going to do what the General Assembly wants to do. The governor is going to do what they want to do. My main goal in anything that comes out is to say, if we're going to do it, it has to be written and crafted in such a way so that we can actually implement it. Because what's the point of a law if we can't implement it? Um, so that's really where we work closely on. Um, the cool thing, uh, the uh, ID law, we did require a photo ID. So I was here um, in another role uh, as a full-time employee um, back in 2013 when Governor McDonald and the General Assembly Past the photo ID requirement. What I'm really proud of there is that even though we, we can have arguments about the policy uh, policies of that particular law, but what we did was we crafted it in such a way and we implemented it in such a way um, that if you wanted an ID, you got one. Like we gave it away for free. We made them very accessible. We had uh, mobile picture units so that we could go to the people who didn't have IDs and we could get them an ID. And so, uh, you know, in our in that way, we really worked hard to implement it so that it wasn't a, a block to voting. And in fact, when we got sued, uh, it was upheld um, because of the way we implemented it. Uh, but this year, they, they, they did away with the photo ID, and we went back to the way we were before. And that was really critical to us. We wanted to make sure that, that whatever we did was something that we were familiar with and, and could manage um, and so that's, that's been uh, a positive thing uh, here. Um, I think the main thing, like I said, is just making sure that we can implement the law uh, the way they want it to be. As far as what's coming down the pike, uh, so I, I think pretty clearly we're going to see expansion of mail-in voting. Uh, we're going to see um, the expansion of the, I mean, we're pretty, Virginia now has the longest early voting period in the country because we start at 45 days. Uh, and we're open, um, you know, Monday through Friday. Uh, then we're open the last two Saturdays before the election. So I don't see any early voting, but we'll, I will see an expansion of mail-in voting. Um, maybe uh, uh, I think you'll also see we, we have um, 
automatic voter registration now in Virginia. So when you go to the DMV, uh, you're automatically registered unless you say, I don't want to be registered. Um, so we'll see that uh, gaining more steam. Um, I think uh, th there's already law in the book to expand um, the hours on election day. So after this year, we'll be open till eight um, for election day, um, but not this year, 7 p.m. <laughs> this year. Um, and I think we'll, uh, you know, uh, prepaid postage, I think is coming down the pipe. Uh, they did fund prepaid postage uh, this year um, for this November election, but it was only for this November election. So we'll start to see some things like that. I think uh, uh, just continuing to expand uh, options and accessibility for voting. I do will say that uh, when you say access accessibility, that's one area where I think Virginia does need to improve. Um, if you're a blind voter in Virginia, uh, we did find a workaround. Um, but if you're a blind voter in Virginia, to do absentee ballot is really hard because we don't have braille ballots. Um, and then we're restricted in the sense that we can't, uh, we can email a ballot, um, but only to uniformed and overseas citizens. Um, so people that are in another country, we can email a ballot to them if, if they request it. Um, but they can't email it back. Um, and there's a lot of security concerns behind that. And there's good reasons for why we don't do that. But if you're a blind voter and you don't, are, are not um, feeling safe to go vote in person, then it's really, really hard for you to mark a ballot without somebody assisting you. And that takes away their privacy. So that's one area that I'm really focused on. Um, it, I'm never happy if there's one person who can't vote. So we're gonna find a way to get them to vote. Hi, Chris. Uh, my name is Thomas Weber. Uh, I'm, all, I'm a senior history major who's also doing a political science minor. Um, my question is, how do you work with other states through the National Association of State Election Directors? Uh, furthermore, how do those National Association of Election uh, Director meetings work? And uh, I guess finally, the third part is, how do these state-based decisions uh, that have a national impact get made? Um, well, good question. So I love uh, the National Association of State Election Directors, uh, also known as NASED. Um, if you ever hear anybody say NASED, that's completely wrong. So we'd like to make sure we clear that up. But NASED is, is a great organization. Um, we have a great executive director who, um, within days of me starting here, had reached out and um, uh, briefed me on everything. And, and, and it's a really good organization. Um, uh, so I'm actually a member of the board. I'm the South Region um, uh, core, or director, I guess, or whatever, leader. I don't know <laughs> anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I communicate to the South Region. And, um, you know, like, for example, this year, um, you probably heard about Pennsylvania and naked ballots. Um, we're getting some of those as well. But because um, uh, uniformed and overseas citizens have a special kind of ballot, uh, when they come in, they usually come through Dulles um, in Northern Virginia. And so the post office has been sending us naked, uh, what we call UACABA ballots. And so <laughs> there's sometimes there's very distinguishable markings on them so we can figure out what state they go to. Um, but then there's sometimes where we just don't know. Um, and so we've you know, been sending pictures of these envelopes that we can't identify to get them to the proper state so that they can handle them. 
um, under their rules. So it's, it's been a little bit of sleuthing that we've had to do, but because of the relationships that we have and the communication structure that we have, uh, we, um, we've been able to, to find homes for those ballots. Uh, when we were moving to no excuse uh, early voting, um, North Carolina's election director invited us to come down and meet with her um, local uh, administrators and helped us to really uh, put together a plan uh, to implement that. Um, so our meetings are, uh, we meet twice a year. Um, every uh, February, January, February, we meet in DC. And then uh, in the summer, we meet uh, somewhere else uh, around the country. Um, we try and partner with the National Association of Secretaries of State. Um, in Virginia, we don't have a Secretary of State. I'm the chief election official, but in many states like Colorado, uh, they have a Secretary of State who's elected uh, and they're the chief election official. And then the election directors work under them. Um, and so we meet and we have great meetings about talking about things and then approving budgets and blah, blah, blah. But the most important thing is the communication like I brought up earlier. It's, uh, it's a critical piece um, uh, to what we do. And I think from your last question, uh, part of your question was, uh, so I think the, the cool thing about um, the United States and our election system is that, uh, you know, we're, every state has a different way of doing things, um, slightly. Uh, we have our own databases where we're managing our own voters. Um, and that's a positive, it's a, it's, it's a plus in this sense. When Russia came to attack us on 2016, in 2016, like they had to go through 50 different systems. And if you screw up, you know, one, it doesn't screw up the entirety, right? And then on top of that, each locality within those states administers their elections and they have different ways of doing things. So uh, that's a plus if you're looking to rig the whole system, it's almost impossible because we're so bifurcated, right? Um, the downside is that we all do stuff differently. Uh, in Virginia, we, uh, the role of the Department of Elections is to create uniformity. And I like to explain it like the um, uh, McDonald's. Like if I go to a McDonald's and order a Big Mac uh, in Richmond, and then I go to a McDonald's in Harrisonburg and order a Big Mac, uh, they're supposed to taste the same. They're supposed to look the same. That's the whole point. Um, and in Virginia, we want, if you're going to vote in Richmond, it should be the same experience as the voter has in Harrison, right? It, they shouldn't, they should look the same. They should taste the same, <laughs> essentially. Um, but, you know, the, the problem there is, is that uh, other states, it, it may be a very different system. For example, in Colorado, everybody gets mailed a ballot. Um, the good news but I, I think the counter to that is that because uh, we all do things differently, when we're having changes made to our election system, almost guaranteed there are other states that are already doing it, right? So when we had the pandemic break out and everybody wanted to move to mail-in balloting, having that conversation uh, with those states that had already done it was so critical. Uh, and we were able to provide information to our state and say, look, we, we're not set up for it. Uh, we would not be successful. So let's try some other things. And, uh, and we have been successful by implementing some of those other things. So I, I think when you're, I think every, it's weird because it seems like we're making uh, election laws in our state in a vacuum, but ultimately they have national consequences, especially in a year like this year. Um, 
you know, it, it, it depends on, it's going to, it's going to make a difference on who can vote and when. Uh, for example, one last example, in Florida, they passed a constitutional amendment to allow felons to get their voting rights back right away. Um, and then they've had lots of changes to that since then. Uh, in Virginia, a felon still has to apply to get their rights restored. Now, we really streamlined that process, but in some states, as soon as you walk out of prison, your rights are restored, you can vote. Uh, it's not that way in Virginia. And so that, that, that changes the playing field depending on what state you live in. And that can be a little frustrating. Hi, um, I'm Jamie. I'm a sophomore public policy major. And my question is, how does Virginia compare to other states in terms of voting accessibility? Um, good question. I, 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 I tackle it a little bit. Um, so we're real proud of our record with accessibility. We, um, uh, we have, you know, very strong curbside voting laws. So, uh, for example, if, if, you know, if you can't stand in line or maybe, uh, uh, you're not feeling well, uh, there's very limited reason or unlimited reasons why you can vote curbside, which means you can basically drive your car up uh, call the number on the sign and somebody, uh, an election officer will come out with a ballot so you can mark that ballot. Um, if you're in person, localities have uh, ballot marking devices. Uh, they're somewhat controversial when they're used as a, as a statewide system, for example, in Georgia. Um, but for voters who have trouble uh, marking a ballot themselves with a pen and on the paper, um, the ballot marking device is is very critical because it's it, it, it marks the ballot for them and then prints it out. Um, and that's an important that's an important piece. Um, you know, we are, you know, we work very, very closely with with uh, disability groups to ensure that all of our polling places are ADA um, compliant and fully accessible. Uh, that is a requirement of the ADA, but you know it, it's it's something that we work re really hard to ensure, um, and if there's any sort of issues, uh, you know, we're very quick to jump on that. Um, so when it comes to that, I think, um, I think we do a very good job in Virginia. I think the, the more we can do to expand the options of voting is, is better for the disabled community. And I already addressed it. I, I think where we're falling down this year is in the, is in the uh, visually impaired uh, community. I think we need to do a better, a better job uh, there, but that's something we're focused on. I think the other thing you think about with accessibility is we, we immediately go to the disabled um, community, uh, but accessibility is actually uh, with our with our foreign population or our foreign speaking population. Um, and, and that's another area that I feel like we can improve upon. We've taken some steps, um, just to, as a brief policy thing, um, the National Voter Registration Act requires localities that have populations of uh, native speakers of a different language uh, to include information in that language. So Fairfax County is the only one that meets that criteria under the current census laws. And that means that they have to provide um, voting materials in Spanish, Korean, and Vietnamese. Um, but no other locality in Virginia does is required. After this census, I think we'll expand it probably to Prince William County at the very least, uh, where they'll have a Spanish speaking population. But like we need to be doing that on a statewide level and providing more uh, resources in um, other languages. 
and we did that a little bit. We, we've updated our website to include Spanish, um, Korean, and Vietnamese. Um, this year, we worked with third-party groups uh, to put our absentee um, materials out in Spanish, uh, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, and Tagalog, believe it or not, um, to ensure that uh, they were um, understanding how to, how to apply or the different options they had to vote and, and then how to fill out their ballot. So um, we're, we're working in that way, but I think uh, accessibility is a big thing to me. As I said earlier, if, if the worst thing to hear on an election day is, is that somebody didn't get the opportunity to vote. Uh, and, and it's because we weren't accessible enough. We, we need to always be working in that way. So good question, thank you. Wow, that was a great response. Um, I just have a few follow-up questions. Um, so how has the political, like the current political climate affected this election thus far? And how will the pending litigation affect like when we know the results of the election and what would you tell the public like what do you want them to know about expectations regarding the timing of election results i lamented on twitter and said very frustrating um that all of these election administration experts have shown up in, during this pandemic um and a friend of mine actually re replied and said well <laughs> imagine how a, an epidemiologist feels right now and i laughed about that as well but the point is, is that, um, you know, uh, election administrators by nature were planners uh, and we go into deep, dark rabbit holes uh, of what the worst possible thing that could happen. Can, uh, and then we design ways to protect against it. And, um, and, and we've been doing that for years and years and we didn't stop with the pandemic. Uh, so I promise you, you think of any way you can cheat the system, we've already put in a safeguard to protect against it. Um, so it's a little frustrating when you have um, uh, people who don't understand the system uh, making claims about the system that are simply not true. Um, and that can, especially when your whole job is to protect the integrity of the election. I mean, what, when we, at the end of the day, what does it matter? Like, how do we know our leaders are who our leaders are? Uh, it's because we trust the process. And if we lose that trust in the process, then we've lost the government, right? And so it's our job to protect against that. So when people are attacking it, and clearly with little knowledge, it's, uh, it's frustrating. Um, so that said, uh, the, I, I talked about a little bit earlier as far as the message, um, you know, First of all, if you're confused or concerned about uh, the election and how it's working, uh, ask us. Uh, we have an answer. Um, go to the experts. Uh, they know what they're talking about, um, number one. Number two, it is gonna be different this year. What about 2020 hasn't been different? I mean, for the love of God, look at you guys. You're all in your own houses right now, right? Uh, uh, I, I just started coming back to the office a, a couple months ago and only because my son needed my office to go to school. Uh, what about 2020 has been what you thought it was gonna be? Uh, so we should be expecting the same when it comes to election results this year. Um, I explained why earlier, but I think that, uh, I think that um, you probably wanna get used to election season now. Um, it's no longer election night. That, those days are gone. Uh, we're gonna be voting early for a long time now, you know, for the foreseeable future. I think every election you'll see people turning out early. Um, I think that election results will take 
longer. Uh, the biggest reason absentee ballots are rejected, the biggest reason, because they came in too late. And that's not necessarily the fault of the United States Postal Service. It's the fault of the voter for not getting it in in time. But then again, they didn't know. You know, you can't predict how long time, uh, how long a, a ballot's going to take to come in. And uh, plus, we're also used to wanting to wait to the last second to make up our mind. Well, those days are kind of over. So election day, forget about it. It's election season. Uh, results, be patient, uh, which is a terrible thing to tell this country in this age. <laughs> but patience is a virtue. And um, like I said, let's get it right uh, rather than fast. Chris Piper, Virginia's Commissioner of Elections, thank you so much for joining us today. We ask this final question of all of our guests. You are actually already doing this in real life. <laughs> but what would you do to strengthen our democracy? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, it, it's going to sound real corny, but um, uh, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, except for some big flaws when they first adopted it, uh, is all about uh, uh, ensuring that the people's voice is heard. Um, and like I said earlier, I think that the whole point is uh, at the end of every election, anybody who wanted to vote uh, had the opportunity to. And, um, and so we just need to continue to find ways to do that. I was telling your professors uh, when we met last week, um, I stole this from Colorado and the election director from Colorado, but my goal is to be the Burger King of voting, right? So you can have it your way. <laughs> so however you wanna vote, uh, whatever is most convenient to you, you have that ability to vote. Uh, and to do so in a way that everybody is sure at the end of the day that the vote uh, counts um, and that uh, each vote is weighted the same. You know, like your vote in Harrisonburg is the same as the vote in Fairfax uh, or Virginia Beach. Um, so that's really, that's, uh, that's how we can strengthen democracy. Not only that, but like people like you, um, you guys have an opportunity uh, to influence your friends, to tell them, to talk to them about uh, why it's important. Um, I think the last thing I will say, I love that voting is getting so much attention. I love that, you know, 70, 75% of the registered voters will likely show up to the polls this year and cast a ballot. Uh, I'd love to see it be 100%. But we have more than one election every four years. Uh, and I talked about the fact that you're going to drive down the street later today and you're going to run over a pothole or you're going to see uh, them tearing down a building uh, and putting up some, some bigger building or maybe you, maybe you disagree that they're putting a parking lot there or whatever. Uh, those are decisions that are made at your state and your local elections. Um, it's not just the president, believe it or not, the president has very little effect on your day-to-day -day life. The decisions they make have very, very, very minor effects on your day-to-day -day life. But I guarantee you that delegate and that senator who meet across the street from me, uh, that city council member and the mayor who's on your ballot this year in Harrisonburg are making decisions that are affecting you right now, uh, from where you live to where you're going to school or how you're getting there. And so vote not just for president, but vote in every single election. And in Virginia, we get lots of opportunities because we vote every year. Um, so pay attention, at least be knowledgeable 
Uh, request your absentee ballot early so then you can research the candidates and not have to make a decision right there in the polling place and the polling uh, the ballot booth. Um, those are those are ways that that, that you can really uh, really affect democracy.